It's uh, great to have you here this morning. If you are a guest with us, if you're new to the church, and maybe this is your second or third time, this is a great time to be coming because we're talking about really what our church is, is, is about. And it's not just what our church is about. It's, it's the mission that God has for every single follower of Jesus Christ. So this isn't just a mission for pastors, or, but anyone who's following Jesus Christ has, has this mission. We, we summarize it by saying it's making more and better disciples, but this is one of the verses that we get it from. It's some of Jesus' last words before he's taken up into heaven after his resurrection, and he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's what he wants us to do, to make disciples. We do that by going and by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So last Sunday, we had two in the first service who were baptized here, and then, you know, a number of others, over a dozen others, baptized different places over the last two weeks. That's, that's part of our, that baptism is going public with your faith. And so that, that's what this is talking about. And then it says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning, is, is the fact that God doesn't just want you to follow him and, and to be like Jesus and to give your life to Jesus and receive the forgiveness uh, from him and his death on the cross for us. He doesn't just want, it's not just about you. He wants you to bring as many people as possible along with you in that journey of following Jesus Christ. And so um, what, what this is talking about, teaching them to obey everything, is how do you have spiritual conversations with other people? We live in a culture where we know how to have every kind of conversation except for spiritual conversations. You're supposed to keep that private to yourself. But, but the truth is, our spiritual beliefs and, and all of that definitely is personal. It, it should be personal. It needs to be personal, but it should never be private. And so what I want to talk about this morning is this, this one of our core values. There's five of them. They're on the wall out in the, the lobby down by where the cafe area is. If you didn't get hot chocolate yet, go for it. I hate coffee, but if you want to drink coffee, that's good too. Um, if you put enough hazelnut creamer, it tastes okay, um, and sugar. Um, but anyway, uh, off track. Out there, there are five core value statements, things like found people, find people, save people, serve people. And, and today we're going to look at the saying, um, one of those core values, which is everybody has a next step. But, but what I want you to think about this morning, and you, you, your next step might be to get baptized. And so September 11th, we're having a baptism class in the second ser- during the second service. Your, your next step might be to um, maybe uh, overcome a, a, an addiction or a, a spiritual a, a sin that has really been, you've been struggling with. That might be your next step. But your next step might be not just about you. It might be to help someone else take their next step. So we're going to talk about what that means. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, uh, Paul is writing this letter, and he starts off, You then, my son. Now, Timothy wasn't literally his son. As far as we know, Paul may have had children, but he never mentions them. So as far as we know, Paul didn't have any children. But Timothy was like a son to him. In fact, earlier as, as he began, he, he calls Timothy his dear son. And two points in the letter later on, he says, he says Come here quickly. I need you here. He says, do your best to get here before winter. Uh, Paul is writing this letter from prison. He's been in prison all the time. Like, he is often in prison, but this one's different. 
God revealed to him that this one he wasn't ever getting out of. And so when he says to Timothy, do your best to get here before winter, um, he had a sense of what was coming, and church history tells us that Paul was executed, beheaded that very winter. And so we don't know if Timothy got there in time. I'd like to think he did because I think Paul's pretty clear that he really needs him. He talks about, hey, these three people, they have deserted me. He uses the word deserted at least three times in the book, um, in the letter. And then other, he's like, and then there, there's these four guys, and this guy was sick, and so I had to leave him behind. And then this, these other three guys, they had other places they needed to go, so they're not with me either. And at one point, I was all alone, and everyone deserted me. He says, but now I got some people here, but I really need you to come here, Timothy. Uh, my son, he says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So talking about how maybe you, your next step is to help someone else take their next step, and maybe your next step is to teach others to obey everything that God has commanded you. And you might be sitting here thinking, that's not me, because I'm new at this. Like, I, I've only been a follower of Jesus Christ for less than a year. Like, or, or you know what, I, I've followed Jesus for a long time, but I'm shy. Like, like, I, I'm not good at this stuff. I, I never went to Bible college, and I, I never even went to Sunday school. Like, if you say, you know, you know how you, just like you lay your Isaac down. I'm like, you what? Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, so, so you say, this is not for me. But, but this is what Paul is saying here. He said, Timothy, my son, be strong in the incredible abilities that you, you have. Is that what he's saying? Be strong in the vast amounts of years and experience that you've been walking with Jesus Christ in. No, he said, Here, here's what we can be strong in, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace means undeserved uh, generosity of God. We try to help other people take their next spiritual step, not because we're so awesome. And you know what? When, you, when you've arrived where I have, <laughs> then, you know, you'll just whatever, you know, that's not, he's saying that is not the position we're in. We're just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And, and if you are just, all, you don't even have to be one step ahead of someone to help them spiritually because we all grow in different areas at different speeds and different rates. And God may have taught you something as a brand new believer that someone who's been saved for 50 years has forgotten. And they need you to help share that with them. So as we think about this, maybe your next step is to help someone else take their next step. The first thing you need to the first question you need to answer is who should you invest in? So the Apostle Paul is on death row. He has months maybe left to live, and he decides to write to Timothy. If you could only write one letter in your life, between now and when you die. Let's get really, like, morbid. You're going to die tomorrow, okay? I didn't look at you, Ben. To, I'm looking at Sam. No. All right. <laughs> okay, Ken. All right. <laughs> but if you're going to die tomorrow, who, and you, you, you could only write one letter, who would you write it to? And what would you write? And, and maybe you would write it to one of your kids. Maybe you'd write it to your spouse. Maybe you couldn't decide and you, you, you have four people in your mind. I want, I, seriously, I want every single one of us to think of at least one person that, that you 
would want to help and nudge in some way spiritually. And if you were to write a letter today, and it would be your last one, who would it be? And the focus here is not on unsaved lost people who are far from God. Paul Paul was witnessing to his guards, I'm sure, and all these people, but he, he thought, I want to leave a legacy. I want to see someone as he says here, he says, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others also. Paul is looking for spiritual great-grandchildren. He's saying, Timothy, you're my son. I want you to entrust to reliable people. That would be grandchildren who will then be able to teach others also. That's great-grandchildren. He says, I want spiritual great-grandkids. And so we need to invest in people who are lost and model that and do that. But we need to invest in other people who are following Jesus Christ and help them do that better as well. And so that's, that's the focus here. And that's what he's talking about. And, and so who is it like that, that that you can invest in? And if, if you're here and you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Christ, then, then you just need to understand what Jesus' passion is. Jesus' passion is to turn everyone into a follower of him, to turn everyone into following God, because that is the solution to almost every problem in the world today. And I say this often, you know, everything from from drugs to suicide to war to, to crime to all sorts of things, that the answer is more people becoming more like Jesus Christ. And so some people say, you say almost every problem in the world, what are the problems that aren't solved that way? That would be disease and natural disasters. That's about it. But almost everything else, th- this is the solution. Not, not just to see people come to know the Lord, but see people come to know the Lord who then entrust to reliable men who are then able to teach others also. And this multiplication, right? If one person leads one person to Christ and then disciples that individual, and then both of those individuals then lead one person to Christ each, right? If you're to do that, then within 33 years, the entire world knows Jesus Christ. And since we're not starting with one, we're starting with like tens of millions of followers of Jesus. The entire world could be one to Christ within seven to nine years. Because who should you invest in? Every single person, I want you to think of a name. At least one person. Maybe you're sitting next to him. Maybe, you know, this is someone you're going to call. Maybe you're watching online and you need to make a phone call after this is over. In fact, let me do this. If you have a person in your head, if you're thinking of a person, that you would say, this is the person I would write to, this is the person I would like to see take another step closer to Jesus Christ, or, or to help disciple and help them to take their next spiritual step, raise your hand if you've got a person in your mind that you're thinking of, okay? Keep your hand raised. I'm waiting. We're letting the others think. <laughs> this can be, okay, you can put it down. This can be a child. Here's, here's well, that's, well, this is later in the service. I'll do it now. We, we have, like, kids' resources out there, which means, like, books and, I think, just books. <laughs> we used to have music. I think we have CD. Do we do we do we do CDs anymore? I don't even know. But um, but this is a great one. If you don't, uh, here's another thing. I think if you have a child under 13 at home, I think you should read to them as a parent. I, I I'm old school, maybe in that way. Um, I used to make up stories, and now my creativity is going, so I don't make up stories. But I do read, and and this is a great book to read to read to your kids. Um, 
you know, and it just indescribable. There's another one, How Great Is Our God? They're out there. We don't make money on these. We sell them at cost. If you're watching online, there's a link in the chat, and you can buy it on Amazon or Christian Book or whatever link goes to. But um, just 100 devotionals about God and science. I mean, there's so much in the natural world that you just look at it and you're like, wow, that is the hand of God. That is the fingerprints of God. And so this is a great thing because, yeah, maybe the person, and, and maybe you don't have to limit it to one, right? Maybe you have nine. Great. Great. You want to help nine people take their next step. That's awesome. Um, but, but if it's a child, there's that, um, that book to, to go through with them. Um, who should you invest in? Very important question. What should you say? Um, the next verse uh, talks about that. Actually, but I want to tell a story about who you should invest in. Um, I was with uh, a group of half a dozen men. We did a retreat at the beginning of the year, um, I think, January, February. And uh, at that retreat, one of the men spoke up and he said, I have felt like God has wanted something, there's something God wants me to do that's more. And if you knew this guy, you would be like, what? More? You know, you, you go to church every week, you're involved in a ministry, you're in, I think, two small groups, right? And, and you, you, you and your wife read the Bible and pray like every day, like you're doing it all. What, what possibly more could God want you to do? But this is what he was talking about. And, and when he had an avenue, hey, through this men's group, let's, let's, let's invest in other men and then let's break up and, and go and invest in other men after that and multiply and do that. When he saw that, he was like, yes. That's it. I want to see. I, my next step is to help other people take their next step. It's not just about me reading my Bible and praying and me serving in this ministry or soaking it up in small groups. It's, I want to see God spiritually multiply me in other people's lives. And um, so how do you do that? And, and or, yeah, what, what do you say? And that's at the first part of the verse. The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Right, so we, none of us really listen to Paul, talk to lots of people, and so we don't really know what that means, and yet we do, because he wrote 11 books of the Bible, and those were things that he said in the presence of many witnesses, and that, you know, he's entrusted to reliable men, and so, so that's talking about Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, all of these are books Paul read, and actually later on in this chapter, in the next chapter, um, in, in this book, he says, you know what, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correcting, for teaching and instruction and in righteousness. And so basically he's saying this is what we need to pass on to others. This is the most important thing. This is what we need to have conversations about with other people. Now, I am a firm believer that deficit fiscal spending by the government leads to inflation that is most harmful to the poor. But that is not one of the things he's talking about, right? And there are lots of things. Some of you are into certain types of, of food things, you know, and, and organic or, or 
algae or whatever. You know, some of you think vitamins are the thing, and some of you think vitamins are a scam, and, and others of you, you have lots of beliefs about COVID and masks and all sorts of stuff, and, and, and don't even bring up politics. But, you know, there's all this stuff that we're, many times, we're very passionate about, and we believe really strongly and whatever. And, and what he's saying is, not that. He says, this, we get so easily distracted by controversies that, yeah, you're right, you're true, you have the truth, that is absolutely right, but that is not what we need to be talking about. This is what, and in, in order to know to, to communicate what God's Word says, you have to know the Bible yourself. You have to be reading the Bible yourself. And so that, that's the what. And so are you doing that? Out, out, out there we have um, this little kids devotional books for your kids to pick up at the little sunken ship. Over at the Welcome Center, there's a 30-day Bible reading plan that is, is right on top of the table there. Um, there. There are also on tracks. I think there's only two left, but they're similar like a write-in devotional book, um, gr great ways to get into the Bible yourself. Bec because some of this, of, of, um, of what we need to teach, even gets to the next question, and that's, that's how, how we need to teach it, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is not, our goal is not just to impart information. We aren't just to teach them everything that Jesus, that I have commanded you. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, teach them to obey. This, this is talking about life change, about living it out. And, and so one of the best ways to do that is to communicate and to teach people things that are fresh that you're learning recently. My favorite teacher in high school was John Dodd. He taught math and made it exciting. You know he's a good teacher. He can make math interesting. And some of the interesting things he did had nothing to do with math. I remember one day he came in and, and he was teaching and he said, oh, I don't feel so good. And then a little bit later, oh, I don't feel so good. And so then he walked outside, came back in. He's like, mm. And then, Bleh! and he threw up this enormous, it must have been like eight, eight eggs worth, like in this bowl that he had in his hand right in front of one of the classmates. He didn't really throw up. He had gotten up early that morning, cooked eggs, put blue dye in it, made it all green for St. Patrick's Day, and did this in class. Had nothing to do with math. But you know what? You came to class, like, ready for anything. You know, and sometimes, you know, remember one time you're doing math, and you get the question right here. You get an Oreo cookie, double stuff, you know, and he's handing out Oreo cookies as you get, you know, and he just made it interesting. And so one day after class, I saw him getting his papers together, you know, to move on to whatever. And I'm like, hey, what's, what's all that stuff? And he's like, oh, it's my homework. I'm like, oh, you mean you're grading our papers? He's like, no, it's my homework. I said, what do you mean? He says, I, I take classes over at Broome Community College in math. Like, you don't have a degree in math? And you're teaching us? And he's like, no, I don't have a degree in math. He says, I just have to stay one step ahead of you guys. <laughs> and you know what? I wonder, now that I'm adult, an adult, I wonder if the reason math was so exciting to John and made it so exciting to us is because it was fresh and new. These were concepts. This wasn't like, yeah, I learned this 30 years ago. 
hypotenuse theorem, oh, boring, you know. No, he's like, man, I, just, I, I learned this like six months ago. This was really cool. Hey, I was studying this. This is a, look at this, you know. And, and so I, I would encourage you to be that way as you're thinking, how do I help someone else take their next step? Don't share with them something you learned in 2012. Actually, you can share with them what you learned in 2012, but don't stop there. Share with them what you learned this morning or last week. And what, what God reminded you of, if, if you missed it, um, you can go online and watch at bridgewater.church. You can watch past messages. And we did a series on relationships. And the last message in the series on relationships was on marriage. And, and I just encourage you, if you missed that, go online and watch it and watch the last 15 minutes. Because I interview an older couple who have been married for centuries. <laughs> no, that's not true. Yeah, but it was interesting because they're sharing things about marriage from decades ago, but then also at one point, the man says, this morning, here's what I learned. Here's something God taught me this morning that I want to share with you. And, and that, that, is, that is what you need to teach. You, you need to teach what God has been teaching you because it's about obedience, not knowledge. Right? And, and how you've been able to, to maybe implement that in your life. So, so that's the who and the what. And so the hardest thing is how do you approach it? And how do you, how do you talk to other people um, about spiritual things? And this is where small groups is really helpful. Um, because in small groups, uh, you have just a natural environment to talk about spiritual things. So it's really hard. You're like out like cutting wood or whatever with someone's helping you cut a tree down and you're like, if you were to die tomorrow, what? <laughs> no. Like how do you approach that? You say, so how are you doing with God and stuff, right? I mean, and it's, it's kind of awkward to, to just bring it up in natural conversation, you know. And, and so small groups are great. So there's a sign-up sheet in the back, or if you're watching online, I think there's a link that he's going to put if you want to sign up for an online small group. But in the back, there's a table with a bunch of different papers. So after the service is over, here's what I want you to do. If you are part of it, we're going to have a mob, mob scene, okay? If you are part of a small group, or especially if you lead one, you need to stand in the back and try to make eye contact with people and invite them to your small group, Okay? If you do not want to go to a small group, here's how you leave the, the auditorium. <laughs> I'm serious. Okay. If you don't have your hands up like blinders like this, you are open, open season, okay? Someone can come up and invite you, all right? Um, and I encourage you to do this. So now people are expecting someone to come up. So if you are a part of a small group or you're a leader, you better, you better try to grab people, all right? Um, but yeah, so sign up in the back because that's a great, a great place to have uh, spiritual conversations with people. Um, outside of small groups, here's some questions that, that you can ask someone. And again, th these, this is, if you're a non-believer and you're watching online or you're here and you're not really ready to follow Jesus, you're just eavesdropping on a family conversation here. But th this is other believers generally we're talking about here. What has God been teaching you lately? It's a great question. Um, and maybe they don't know. They're like, oh, well, just think about it and get back to me. I'll ask. These are things, maybe we should ask these questions before we leave, right? 
mostly a lot of people following Jesus right here. Ask, ask other people around you or go up to someone, hey, my name's, my name's John, you know. Like, tell me, what has God been teaching you lately? Another question, is there an area of your life you're really struggling in? Maybe you want to do the positive side of that. Hey, is there anything God has done in your life that has just thrilled you, is just super cool and exciting lately? Or, or, or something you're struggling in? And then what can I do to help you spiritually? Again, these are, these are best conversations with people you know because you go deeper with people you know. You ask a complete stranger these questions and they're like, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, but, but people you know, maybe, maybe even your spouse. I mean, I, I found this out when I was leading a small group. We were talking about having spiritual conversations with lost people and nobody was doing it. And so then I backed up and I, I said, uh, well, let's have spiritual conversations with, and I found out most of the people in the small group weren't having spiritual conversations with their spouse who was in small group with them. And they weren't having spiritual conversations with their children who they lived with. And they weren't having spiritual conversations with other believers. I'm like, well, no wonder you don't talk to non-believers about Jesus. You don't talk to anybody. Start, start with the easy, the easy ones. The other people who agree with you, who want to follow Jesus, who, who, who maybe just don't know how to get onto that conversation as it is. And so, so ask questions. And so then as, as, as we wrap up here, Paul goes through in rapid fire succession, he gives three illustrations of, of uh, how we should do this. And so number one, he says, we need to disciple others, help someone else take their next step spiritually. We need to do that like soldiers. Don't get distracted. A, a typical crowd scene, even if you were to take a picture of this right now, does not look like that. People are like, ah, you know, and they're distracted. You know, they're looking everywhere. They're not, they're not focused. But in the military, you, they are taught, right, to focus. Why? Because if you're not focused, you can die. So, so focus is very important. Don't get sidetracked. Here's how Paul says it. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And that is another aspect of discipling and following Jesus Christ is that there is a price that will be paid. And I think in our country, we will see that more and more. I think our country is coming in line with most countries throughout most of human history where you pay a price to follow Jesus. And, and so there is suffering. But he's, then he says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officers. We live in a world of professionalized, um, just point-perfect distraction. If you want to be distracted, you have come to the right country at the right time at, because there are so many opportunities Things that are good, things that are meaningless. In fact, I wasn't sure if I should share this, but I think I will. It's a little heavy. Um, 1938, Robert Abrams wrote a, a powerful poem called The Night Shanghai Burned. I'm not really much of a poem guy, but this one just has impacted me for years. It's, he talks about a night when he and his wife traveled across town to play cards with friends in Philadelphia. And this is how the end of the poem goes. Well, I'll give you some more background. The Night Shanghai Burn, he's talking about the rape of Nanking in 1938, where 
the Japanese, World War II, before America had entered the war, had invaded China, and they slaughtered over 300,000 people within a, a, a couple days in Nanking. And I will not tell you what they did because I looked it up, and I almost want to say don't look it up. It is some of the most brutal acts done in mass in human history. It, it made the Germans look nice. Um, and, and so this hundreds of thousands, not just killed, but tortured in the worst ways. And I won't even want to describe it, but the, the poem closes with this. And now we come at last to the watermans. Our hope is waiting pleasantly inside and and play a safe game, will you now, John, this time? Louise says while we park our car. I will, Louise, I will. I know I will. And after greetings, Waterman exclaims, a fine mess in the Far East, boys and girls. And we agree, and we sit down to play. Tonight they burn. Shanghai, and we're safe. Safe from the world and all its puzzles. Safe from everything except our own contempt. Tonight, Shanghai is burning, and we are dying too. What bomb more surely mortal than death inside of you? For some men die by shrapnel, and others go down in flames. But most men perish inch by inch in play at little games. We live in a world that is dying, that is in pain and agony. And we see that right here in our community. People with no hope. And we so easily get distracted. And Paul is saying here, and I think God is saying to us, be like a good soldier. Wants to please his commanding officer and doesn't get, doesn't get distracted by civilian affairs and, and off doing this, that, or the other thing. This is the most... Well, Making better and more and better disciples, that is the most important thing you could do in your life. Another illustration, he says, you need to disciple like an athlete. Don't cut corners. Um, at the end of soccer practice, sometimes I've done this for over a decade. I'm not sure how many years I got left in me. But I tell all the kids who are under 12, I say, um, if you can beat me in a sprint at the end, I'll give you five bucks. It's optional. Everybody sprints. And uh, Daniel, I tend to give him a step, you know, just to make it fitting. My 12-year-old son, Daniel, he cuts in front of you. <laughs> and he's fast. And so, and I'm getting slower. And so last time I did this, man, he cut in my line. And I had to run around him without running over the other kids and get to get get ahead of him so I didn't have to pay him. Five. I'm not paying him five bucks. <laughs> He's got to earn that, man. He's got to, you know, pick up six and weed whack or whatever, you know, like I'm not. Anyway, but so this guy right here, he's ahead. And like he could, he could probably cut in front of this guy, but then he'd be disqualified and he'd lose. Spiritually, we got to play according to the rules. We got to stay in our lane, right? And so often, you know, well, I know God says that's wrong, but it's not really a big deal, really. You know, or I know that's not the right way, but I think in the end, it will, it will help things. It will certainly help me. And, and then 
No, he's saying we need to obey God's word. In fact, all the great villains, my son Ryan was telling me this, I think it's really true, all the great villains, they, they're pragmatic. The ends justifies the means. I have this great goal, it's very good, it's very noble, it's very awesome, and, and in order to get there, I will do anything. All the great villains, that's, that's how they think, and we don't want to be on that side. Disciple like an athlete, don't cut corners. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules, right? That's what he's saying. And then finally, he says, disciple like a farmer, be patient and enjoy the harvest. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops, right? There is a joy in discipling other people that I tell you what, it is just awesome. It's one thing for me to walk, to, for me to, to stand at the front of a church and see my wife come down the aisle and marry me. That was awesome. But you know what? Eight days ago, I walked my daughter down the aisle to Peter. And I won't say it's, it was better. Can't say that, but I will say it was awesome. And you know, it's one thing to be baptized. Some of you have been baptized as, as an adult, or maybe you remember after you accepted Christ as a child, or a teen, and, and it's awesome to remember that moment that, that you're, you know, you're, you're basically going public with your faith, and, and maybe you cheered when you got out of the tank, and it was just awesome, right? And you got a big hug. By... But I tell you what, it is more awesome to be on the other side of that and to baptize someone. And then I'm telling you, even farther as a pastor, what is even more thrilling to me, because I've baptized probably 100 people, I don't even know. There's people I've baptized that I, years later, I said, hey, you should get baptized. And they're like, you baptized me. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. I'm glad. I'm glad you took that step, you know. But, but it's even more thrilling to see somebody else get to baptize someone for the first time. And for them to have that joy, right, to, to help that person take their next step. And, and, and this is what first fruits are. There's nothing better than that first sweet corn, right? Right, yeah, and it's right off. The, I mean, it is warm by the sun. I mean, that is the good stuff. In fact, even I, I do not like canned beans, okay? But fresh beans, and, and not fresh end of September beans, but like fresh early June beans, you know, like the, 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 the new ones when it's first coming out. I mean, it's like a totally different vegetable. Like, I like that. And, and this is what he's saying, just like farming. He's like, you, there is a blessing when you help other people take their next step spiritually. Don't, don't miss out on that. Heavenly Father, I just uh, thank you for all the people that have invested in me. And God, I thank you that at Bridgewater here, not only do I have brothers and sisters in Christ, but I have fathers and mothers who have helped me in my spiritual journey and encouraged me, and I have children, and even starting to have some spiritual grandchildren now, and I just, I just thank you for the family that you've put together. Lord, help us not to get distracted. Help us to love each other and to love each other a little bit closer to you every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We invite